Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hello and welcome to the Sun Solar Panel on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Espo. Ahoy, hoy. I'm Dave King. How's it going, folks? And we've got a very special guest this week. His name is Brandon, a.k.a. I, do you prefer Brandon? Um, I'm, before I get into the big into the big uh, introduction here, do you prefer Brandon? Before we compliment him, let's give what, him whatever a is, Whatever you feel like calling me. Brandon, Zona, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Brandon, uh, Zona, whatever we prefer. He He's actually a great draft expert from Brightside, and you can follow him yep. on social at AZ Sports Zone and check out his own website, azsportzone.net. Uh I'm going to call you Zona because it's more fun that way. And uh, and I'm Sounds somebody good. that appreciates a good nickname. So uh, uh, glad to have you on the program today. Yeah, this is Espo talking about yeah. nicknames. <laughs> four four let's, letters. Let's be straight. Man. Yeah. Well, you look, I, I appreciate a good four-letter nickname. And, uh, I, you know, we, we use a few other choice four-letter words, but I appreciate a good four-letter nickname. So, so Zona, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll get into your draft expertise as part <laughs> of this show. Obviously, uh, yeah. for those of you watching on YouTube, it is Halloween. So it's a me, it a Mario. Uh, and, and, you uh, audio? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Who am I? Uh, you guys won't recognize this, but first, this is actually a fan at an NBA basketball game. Those things happened back in the olden times. I I thought you were first year Robert Sarver with the foam finger and the uh, oh, I could be. and the flag. You know, I could be. I'm uh, in fact. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for ruining my outfit. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I'm first yeah. year Robert Sarver. And wait, for for you, Espo, who am I now? Rhett Reese. <laughs> he put, for those of you listening on the podcast, he is wearing sunglasses. Morning, Rhett. And there is a there is a story. Our friend Rhett Reese, uh, the the probably uh, what I like to joke the the most famous Suns fan. Uh, obviously, the writer, he's the one who makes uh, the Deadpool movies. Yes, the writer of Deadpool, Zombie Land, uh, uh, a, a laundry list of other films. Uh, he actually went to a preseason game with Dave and I. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm pretty sure it was the Spurs game. Uh, two preseasons ago, that uh, got uh, Ryan McDonough fired was the uh, was the preseason game that we went to, and poor Rhett uh, broke his glasses and had to wear sunglasses during the game because he couldn't see otherwise. Right, so it it looked like the most Hollywood thing possible. Right, he, yeah. <laughs> but he, he even got on the jumbotron. He did, and uh, and I actually had uh, had a picture of that sent to me, and I, I've given him a hard time with that. But yes, yeah. Dave, uh, I actually like that uh, most is uh, going with the sunglasses uh, for today, the Rhett Reese look. Uh, I, I give yeah. I give a tip of the cap for for Suns that. Fan Rhett Reese, that's uh, right. We're going with that. I thought it was that or Joe Biden since those are aviators. So I, you know, <laughs> yeah. at your age, you're much closer to Joe Biden. That's everyone. Than, that's what we all wear at this age. Well, I uh, see. I'm in the age <laughs> where I'm into the aviators, but I'm too young to have the wraparounds that cover my side <laughs> eyes too. 
Well, we you're there in about a year. Let's Zoto. <laughs> what is your costume for those um, listening listening on the podcast? They obviously can't see. So why don't you give it a vast description? This is the most amazing costume you guys will oh, yeah, ever it's see. It's insane. I'm dressed <laughs> as Mr. Orange, actually. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's I'm just decked out in orange. Uh, but no, I'm just wearing a green shirt. Head to toe, it's crazy. It's it, no. <laughs> Green shirt just for cash considerations. Just kept it simple. There you go. Yeah. The man cash knows considerations. To, the man knows how to pander to a host. Uh, by by yeah. the way, uh, glad to glad to have everybody with us here on Halloween. We did start a few minutes uh, late, and uh, by a few minutes, I mean forty. And uh, there's not a good reason other than the fact that I mean we are very fortunate that we still got as many people in this chat. All right, well, folks, I'm going to have to switch back to my regular glasses because I can't read the chat in these things. Uh, but yes, because I, I do not have prescription sunglasses like Rhett does, oh, oh. where I can just go around, you know, hanging out. <laughs> so, That's right. I, so I do apologize. I, I forgot to set my alarm. So I woke up to Dave's voice on a call, which is my biggest nightmare ever. So Halloween is off to a, a, a well, dude, very you much weren't a answering texts or tweets. And so I had that, to do the actual call. So maybe your sound was on and, and make you actually answer the damn phone. Yeah. So like a horror movie, I had to wake up to Dave. Uh, I Kate blame Kate. Tim. David so. Bailey blames Tim. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we can keep that tradition alive. It was Tim Tompkins fault. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, that Halloween is not the only thing that happened this week. Uh, thank God, because this would be a really boring show if we just talked about, uh, <laughs> about costumes the whole time. Uh, but Devin Booker, uh, was in the news this week for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, apparently he visited Bender Island with Kim Kardashian after two weeks of quarantining, but we're not going to talk about that. We're actually going to talk about that. It was Devin Booker's birthday uh, yeah. the other day, and he uh, actually celebrated with a, a big party with his girlfriend, Kendall Jenner. Not a, That's not a big deal. Everybody, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of guys celebrate their birthday, especially in their 20s with, uh, with their significant other and their friends. But the weird thing is the theme of the party was frogs. Now, I did some extensive research, and by that I mean I typed into Google uh, Devin Booker and the frogs, Google. and I could not come up with uh, any reason why frogs would be the theme of the party. Dave, uh, you're around the team. No, have you I've ever heard of uh, of Devin Booker's love for frogs? No, but it was a, a green-themed birthday. Uh, there was tons of green. Did you ever find that? picture i'm working on it still here probably not okay yeah yeah well maybe if you didn't wake up so late oh yeah you'd have found it yeah, but Tim, anyway it was a total Tim. green theme they had green they had green uh um lights and everything it felt like an entire cash considerations costume actually is what it looked like <laughs> yeah and i well, see you know starver's gonna show up with some frogs in james jones's office instead of the goats instead of the goats <laughs> That's a plague. We don't. We don't want to start a plague here. Well, I guess we're in a plague, so frogs would frogs would make sense. Uh, 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 <laughs> if you add them into everything in in 2020, uh, I just, you know, I I'm just gonna say this. Uh, you know, in a week that everybody seemed pretty obsessed with this, and we've talked about this on the show, I could not care less who Devin Booker dates, what he does on his free time, any of those things. 
as long as he comes back to Phoenix whenever uh, they start officially working out and we have a, a time for this season to start, and he plays basketball well, I could not care less. I yeah. do not understand the obsession with this and how how the Kardashian obsession well, in general has bled into a fan base now. Well, they weren't socially distanced, though, so you never know. Uh, he might be hitting the Rona right now. Uh, but I, I, I'm not gonna. I don't know that you know. Rich people can quarantine, you know, like they did to, to get on on Bender Island with Kim K. I, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna judge any of that because it's. I, I don't know the situation. I like, and and literally, as long as he's healthy, uh, as long as, uh, yeah, as, yeah, nobody should be getting mad. at Devin Booker and all of his Kardashians and Jenners uh, renting out an island in the middle of a pandemic to get closer to normal because you know what, I if that, that was, was my your normal. normal, Brandon, you would be on that freaking Island too. You know, uh, I was actually there, by the way, I just got <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go. Let's, let's go with okay. that. That's great. Now inside I'm interested. Scoop. Now tell us inside scoop. <laughs> I yeah, just were love you there with Andrew Lezis. I mean, come on, all this, all you guys. Yeah. I just Brandon Awadis, he was probably there too. It's, I I just love how how we only knew Booker was there because he kind of got caught in the background of one photo, uh, and and totally looked like uh like he had no desire to get caught in the back of that photo. Like he, nobody, he didn't want anybody to really know he was on that island. You know, I'm just I'm just wondering what hologram uh, that Kanye got got Devin. For his birthday, because he got Kim uh, a hologram of uh, of her late father. So, how do you one up that for Devin Booker's frog birthday party? You know, like that's the only thing I care about. All right, so I think we've beaten this topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's move on to something on that, that actually was much more interesting this week. Uh, thank God, because the, if that was all we had to talk about, uh, I probably would have just <laughs> continued to sleep in rather than. Uh, wake up for this show but we we had some big news right some big news this week uh from the suns and it was you know what there is it new jersey that the suns have uh have unveiled and it is actually if you're watching on the show you can see it there on the screen there's a black jersey with uh a, a pixelated gradient of uh, purple, orange, and yellow. It looks very much like the sunrise in Phoenix with what appears to be the outline of Camelback Mountain on it. It says the valley uh, across the top of it. I, am I love a, it. I am a huge fan of these new jerseys. Now, uniform sets, everybody knows my obsession is with the shorts, so that will make or break uh, how good this whole uniform is. But from the leaked photo, uh, that was later confirmed by the Suns, and we'll get into the photo that they used to confirm it in a second. But I actually really love these new jerseys, and I love the fact that the Valley is an identity that yeah. this that this group can can latch on to. You know, each each great Suns team had had that. It was the Cinderella Suns in, in the seventies when they made the run. Uh, the, it was the, uh, you know, purple gang from Phoenix in the nineties, seven seconds or less. And, and I hope the Valley, uh, you know, and, and I know there's Valley boys that's been there. I hope this catches on and gives them their own identity. And this is a kind of a, an iconic look that's associated 
with them because I really think it's sharp. I think it's fun. Uh, Dave, or actually, you know what? Brandon. Who yeah. cares what Dave has to say? You don't Zona, care Zona, uh, Brandon, whatever we're calling you. If you would like to uh, share your thoughts, we'd love to hear them on this one. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan. Uh, I think it's something innovative and new and like fresh that they kind of needed, like you said, just to latch on to a new identity for a new era. And I think they're really going to pop on the court too. Like, um, yeah. they're like I remember back when the orange jerseys came out, everyone hated those. Uh, and then as soon as they put them on the court, everyone's like, okay, these aren't that bad. Like, I think these are going to look orange. Yeah. Like the one yeah. I'm wearing is actually the worst orange you could possibly have. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, that's so. not true. The PHX seven seconds or last era was the worst Jersey hands wow, down. That's after true. You Cause came it had off. gray in it too. Oh, after wow. you, after you came off the best look ever with the burst, you went to the Home Depot Ugh. burlap sack of, of uniforms. So, yeah. uh, these, I think, I think you're right though. When you see them on court on players, those that may not like them very much, I think may have a, a very different opinion of them because I think they're really going to pop on oh, television. Man. I, I really these did things- not uh, go ahead. Go Dave. ahead. No, I go was ahead. just going to say, I have not, I'm not a Jersey buyer. The Jersey I'm wearing is actually, uh, a gift. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I love it, but you know, white men are not made to wear jerseys, <laughs> uh, non-basketball players anyway. Um, but anyway, I would buy that Jersey. In fact, it would look fucking great with my hoodie. And I would actually wear that to a game if I wouldn't get in trouble, um, on media row. But I would, when I go as a guest, I would wear that Jersey every time. That is the hottest Jersey I've seen and, well, I think forever. I think it's better than any black jersey the Suns have ever had, um, and possibly better than any jersey overall. I know it doesn't have a sunburst on, but that's not the point. It's got the pixels. It's got that color blocking. It's got it's fire. It is fire. And it's tell us, you know, read read what you wrote there, man. That was, oh, that was yeah. a great that was <laughs> well, a great write up. Uh, so I sarcastic. I loved uh, uh, you know I I loved when I was working for the team to get a chance to actually write the descriptions for these jerseys. They, it was, uh, it was just a fun thing that I got to do. And they, they changed jerseys surprisingly a, a lot in the five years that I was with the team. And so I wrote a, a kind of a, a, not sarcastic, but kind of what I imagined I would have been asked to write, uh, it, when, when these jerseys, if I was still there when the jerseys came out and uh, I wrote, we are the Valley and we're proud of it. This Jersey shows our dedication. The colors represent the dark of the desert night, giving way to the dawn purple, orange, and yellow representing the sun's ascension from, from its slumber. It's the dawn of a new era, the ascension of the suns. And I'm sure when the suns officially unveil this, there'll be something cheesy like that. That's written to go along with it. But, uh, I, I just, it, it, I love these things. I don't know why, but I think it likely is the best Jersey they've had since the burst back, uh, that went away in the early two thousands. I know people will say, Oh, it looks like the Utah Jersey, or it looks like the old Denver, uh, skyline. And I say, so every everything there's different elements uh, that people steal and, and pick and choose. Yeah. I think this is uniquely Phoenix. Every idea uh, is there's no new ideas anymore. 
<laughs> been around for thousands of years. And and it's got the purple, which not uh, not all their jerseys have had those, and I think that's a a big deal on this one. So I'm a huge fan of these, and I give uh, I, I give the team. Uh, a lot of of credit. I do feel bad because I know how hard the marketing department, the digital department, worked to probably to put together a campaign that they were gonna gonna do with this. Uh, and I'm going to actually share what I think, or what obviously was part of it here in a second as well. But uh, I, I feel bad for them because I know how much work goes into it, and then somebody decides to just randomly leak this on the internet. And uh, and all that hard work goes goes to waste. But I love how he's hiding behind the unicorn. I just yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't. It, it, Zona, you're you're younger than than me, and uh, probably about fifty years younger than Dave. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Because I don't quite get the photo of Kelly Oubre on the horse in uh, in what looks like a, a cowboy vest, a cowboy hat. And the jersey under it, and it's covered in rhinestones. Uh, am I just not cool anymore? I think it's just a, a fashion statement from from Kelly. He's probably the one that pushed the social media to post that. For being real here, <laughs> but uh, uh, sure. so yes, you're just not with it. You're not cool anymore, Espo. That is cool. If you were wearing that, we would actually think you were. Uh, no, never mind. We wouldn't well, think you were cool. We would I just think it's also to just about. confirm that, like you know. Like the the leak was true because it was kind of all over Twitter and there's no confirmation. Yeah. So that and it got good feedback. So I think sometimes those leaks might be strategic too, just to see what the fan feedback. I gotta is. tell you, this this one is better. If you guys remember back when uh <laughs> when Alex uh Len was oh, a rookie and not- they were you guys, you worked for the team then, didn't you? Oh, if you rip this, I'm coming through the screen because this was actually my idea. So oh, him, I yeah, really- he he uh okay, so. I thought it was okay. Look, I'm not going to totally rip it because I thought it was cool. Alex Len pulling his his suit shirt open like Superman, showing a bit of the jersey. Okay, so and that looked pretty good, but yeah. this tops it by like a thousand percent. Let's okay. New Superman movie came out right around the same time we did that shoot. Uh, no, it was and, good. It was good. Hey, I'm telling them the background story of the Alex Len, how it came about. Oh, and we were fireside chats with us. Deal with it. it. I got the <laughs> mic and the mute button, so you can deal with it. All right. <laughs> uh, and so, so rookie year, uh, Alex Len comes in for his rookie photo shoot. We know we have these new jerseys coming. Uh, there, everybody's like, well, can we let's just get a photo of a minute so we have that. I'm like, well, why don't we try to do something different? So, we, so we we get him in the jersey, and and I share the idea. Well, we realize Alex Lent has no tie, right? So we're like trying to make this work. I had to run down to the sales floor, which was uh, two floors below, and steal a tie off off a guy on the sales floor to give it to Alex Lent, so he could actually look, have that kind of Superman. You Look, took it uh, off of him. <laughs> I took it off the sales guy to give it to Alex Len. Yes, I did. So <laughs> that was that was how that came about. But yes, I think the best thing to come out of this this picture unveil for for them confirming it is Kelly Oubre has to be known as the Rhinestone Cowboy now, right? I mean that that seems like a fitting, perfect nickname for him based on this photo. This definitely, when you say when you were saying. Um, uh, the cowboy jacket and cowboy hat and all that. 
I was like, but only Kelly Oubre would call that, you know, the Wild West. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, uh, you know, I, I really, to Dave, to your point, because you can't really see the horse. I really hope it's a unicorn. That I, if it, it should be a unicorn. If he's riding a unicorn, <laughs> I take back everything. I understand why it's cool. With a four-year-old the daughter. Rainbows. Yeah. Valley, the, the, the jersey-colored rainbow. <laughs> It's like the seed from Anchorman where they're just like riding through the yes! sky with rainbows yeah. and unicorns. While they're having sex, yes. Exactly. Hey, I, I, Dave, why do we have to always go down that road? Dave, this is a family <laughs> do show. Do we always go down that road? But By the way, uh, Saul Bookman, our, our friend uh, in the chat, says, that's a cool photo. Saul's older than me and younger than Dave, so I, I don't think it's an age thing. I just think I'm not cool anymore, which is fine. I was never really cool in my younger I, I do, days. Anyways. I was going to say, I was going to, I'm going to argue with that one, uh, but I actually, I'm excited to see what the full campaign is because I know this is just a small sneak peek. And I know. So earlier in the season, sorry, Ubre tweeted some pictures, has been tweeting pictures on Instagram and he had some really awesome shorts too, with a huge sunburst on I, I can confirm those are not official shorts. They came oh. from a third party. And I, I, you know, I, the first thing I thought was, ooh, could those be the, the city edition yeah. shorts? And I reached out to some contacts. Damn. Those are not actual, those were, uh, actual was, official yeah. sun shorts. But you know, I'm so. happy with this one. So, yes. Uh, Let's yeah. come up with something that uh, Zona can actually join us with. Yeah, uh, Zona. Seven What's seconds up? or less is is reuniting in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, another another chip in that uh, another uh, brick in that wall fell uh, yesterday on Friday when Mike D'Antoni officially joined Steve Nash's staff, which now means it's Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, and Amari Stoudemire making up a a large portion uh, of that coaching staff. What do you make of? Steve Nash bringing the band back together in Brooklyn. And I, the most important question of all, is it all right for Suns fans to have a second favorite team since they're in the Eastern conference? Yeah. First of all, it's going to be weird as hell. Just seeing that, like all those guys on the same bench together, like the first time you see it, like I'm, I don't know how I'm going to feel, but uh, I'm definitely going to be rooting for like Brooklyn is my second team now. Just, uh, it would be awesome to see them get a ring somehow together, even if it's, you know, 20 years later down the road um, as coaches. But, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a tough task because I think the Nets still have like a long ways to go. And Kyrie and Durant, we don't know how healthy they are. And there's some questions about their rotation pieces, too. So it's going to be a really interesting team to follow. Uh, I'm I don't know how I'd feel if they won a championship. Uh, you know, I personally, I'd feel good for them. Yeah. But I feel as a Suns fan, that's going to leave some weird emotional feelings. I, I don't know. Uh, it's all just I really weird, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's seeing seeing the three of them celebrate with the Larry O'Brien trophy may break something inside of me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm fragile, so all right? I'm, we, I'm trying not to sound like a skeptical, uh, a, well, a skeptic just because I'm a homer. But I was never a fan, and I tweeted it, and actually um, – Love the guy. Vince Kozar used to be in Suns uh, Media Relations, and then he went over to the Mercury side. He was not happy, and he, he responded to me on Twitter. I'll still, I still won't forget that. Um, but I said there was no way Nash and D'Antoni was going to work in L.A. with the Lakers because 
they didn't have the right players. They didn't have the right people. They had two big of personalities with Kobe on there, uh, wanted to play his way. And uh, let's see, they had Dwight Howard on that team. And that didn't, that was not the same as Amari. Dwight Howard at the time had the, the most points per shot on pick and rolls. But Dwight Howard's pick and rolls were totally different than Amari's pick and rolls. So I was, I was thinking it wasn't going to work. And um, even before Nash got injured, remember, D'Antoni got fired. Didn't he get fired like six games in or something like that? He got, was that the season or the next season? But um, that did not work even when Nash was healthy um, in, in L.A. because they didn't have the right personnel. So I'm not convinced that Kyrie Irving can be your Steve Nash. Oh, well, I was going to say, Dave, you know, Steve isn't playing. He's the head coach, right? So I understand. Yeah, but, but okay, Kyrie Irving stirring the drink and Kevin Durant wanted to play his own game, uh, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. But the ingredients don't seem to fit perfectly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we will find out and maybe sooner rather than later, depending on uh, if the NBA season actually starts uh, right before Christmas, as the owners uh, hope it will. Uh, let's well, actually. Funny, the players are fighting back. Let's Whoa. talk about that. So, so it's funny. The players are fighting back, not wanting to start until Martin Luther King Day, which is about a month later than the owners want to start, and yet the players also don't want to give up any money. And there's no way you can play a full season and playoffs without all the competition. What happened this year, let's, uh, what happened this year with all the ratings across the board is that everybody basically sabotaged each other with, uh, with ratings. And so the NBA was fighting against the MLB was fighting against NFL was fighting against Netflix and, and things like that. And uh, the NBA ratings were down in the bubble, even though uh, we're all excited to get sports back. Uh, but uh, it's going to be down again next year if they're again late in the summer fighting with not only the NFL and MLB, but also the Olympics. So the NBA is being smart. They want to get the heck out of uh, out, out of the way before all those other sports start up again. And that. so they're only going to give 50 games to the players if the players insist on not starting until January. Look, I, I get it from both sides. The league doesn't want to lose potentially up to a billion dollars by starting in January where they would save it if they start in December. And and some of these players, particularly those who went deep in the playoffs, don't want to have to turn around and start as soon. But the thing to me why it makes sense is if you wait till middle of January or a little later, you've got some teams that have waited then 10 months to play an NBA game again, right? Yeah, those teams yeah. that didn't make it into the bubble that haven't played since March. Uh, and I get it. Those tend to be the bottom feeding team. Or, or those were the bottom feeding teams in the league, but still they're part of the league. I don't think you can expect it teams to go a full 10 months and have to turn around uh, and, and compete at any high level. Uh, I think that getting them back as quick as possible is, is beneficial to the game, yeah, uh, and and I get it. LeBron doesn't want to want to go back right away. You know, okay, play the first night or play Christmas Day, and then take a week or two off if if that's if that's a big deal to you. I don't think the Lakers are going to complain. And whether you're the one seed or the four seed, you're still gonna uh, you're still gonna have a, a great chance in the playoffs if you're if you're the Lakers as the defending champion. So, 
that's that's the thing to be the the economics of it are what you have to look at and and if there's a billion dollars on the line after after the league lost i think it was a, a little over 10 percent of its total revenue last year you gotta you you have to right. start well and know? it was only as little as 10 percent because they got to play most of the season with fans so if you go a whole season without fans that that it, the revenue is just going to completely tank. And here's the thing. The players are going to end up giving in because they're not going to want to give up their money. Uh, if you if you cut the season down to 60, 50 games, that loses all the TV, uh, the big TV yep. revenue. And uh, plus the fans not being in the stands, the players are going to have to give up a lot of money. Well, yeah, and- that re- Go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. I was just going to say that report just seemed like it was just LeBron. Like the players, I think it was just like the Lakers and LeBron just saying they don't want to start up right away. I feel like the rest of the league, for the most part, maybe like Denver, Miami, and, and like Boston, like could be in that group. But outside of that, I think all these teams are going to want to get back out there as soon as they can, just for not only basketball purposes, but money purposes as well. Well, yeah. And sacrificing Christmas Day, which tends to be the, the biggest television day or, or one of the biggest television days of the NBA season mm-hmm. seems like a, a poor idea, especially because, you know, outside of, of college football, you're going to own that day. So uh, yeah. that's well, from plus a when the players start realizing that, okay, if you really want your 70 games, 70 plus games, so you can keep your paychecks and you don't want to start until January. Now we're talking three games in three days. Now we're talking four games in five days. The players are not going to want that either. They're going to have to compromise. They're going to have to come in um, uh, alongside the play, the owners. There's, there is another yeah. way that this could go. They could they could sacrifice the Olympics and say, "Look, we don't care. We're we're not going to play in the Olympics. We'd rather start in January and get in a full or get in a seventy. But the game. NBA doesn't want that revenue lost because of the competition with I, the other sports. I, I get it, but that I, that I think may wind up being the well. You know, the American the, players will probably say that, but these in, there's international players. There are some national teams that these these uh, guys like even Ricky Rubio. You think Ricky Rubio wants to play out the string if the Suns are not in the playoffs? instead of going to play for his uh, his team well i would the- hope so i i get it from a, from an emotional pull but i also understand that there's a, a team paying your your paycheck so that's that and and everybody understands this is just a weird situation and there you know honestly there's still a chance that the olympics don't happen based on how everything plays out in this world. Travel's still yeah. restricted uh, across the world, and we don't know what July is going to look like. So trying to base your entire financial decision off of that seems uh, seems a bit short-sighted uh, as well. So it'll we be need to get fans back in the stands safely, hey, not I, unsafely. I, I all What I want is just all of us watching basketball again. The bubble was fun, but but – Let's get let's get a regular season going again. Let's figure out how to do this, do it safely for everybody involved. But let's move. We'll move away from labor strife and negotiations because, well, that's not fun. You know what's fun? Rumors, right? Rumors are fun. And there's a rumor that came out this week that I think has a little credence to it. I don't think 
from a son's perspective necessarily, but I certainly think the other team involved uh, has interest. It's Kelly Oubre being a target of the Golden State Warriors. I have heard from some sources as well that Golden State is interested in Kelly Oubre, but I don't think that means that the Suns are actually going to deal him there. There's, you know, there's a lot of people. Dave, Dave has interest in Scarlett Johansson, but she's not leaving Colin Jost for him. All right, that's uh, uh, that's the way this works. You can have it's one side can have interest. That does not mean that that there is a trade that will be imminent. But I did find find it interesting because Golden State does obviously have the number two pick. They have the trade exemption that came back from the Andre Iguodala deal. So mathematically, you could make something work here. Brandon, do you see a fit in a potential trade partner? Or as, I mean, we debated this last week, Dave and I, or, or, or do you feel that Kelly Oubre isn't going anywhere regardless? Um, I mean, after the the photo that was leaked, I feel like he's, they can't trade him now. Like uh, Kellen, like jokingly tweeted, like if you trade him after, you know, him riding a horse, like unveiling your, your new like Jersey, then you're just going to be cursed for life. And um, <laughs> I, I kind of, I sort of agree. I don't think they would, that it's necessarily going to take him off the trade block just because he's in a picture, but I do find it much more likely that he'll be back next season. Um, the trade does make sense from Golden State's perspective. They have the trade exception, like you mentioned, but I would not really advocate trading up for number two because there's going to be someone just as good at number 10, honestly. Yeah, I, 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 just to take a step back, I get Kellen's joke and and totally agree. There could be some bizarre, uh, cowboy curse that we have to deal with uh, if the if the Suns dealt Ubre after that photo. But I can speak from experience. Very little uh, kind of communication from the basketball operations to the marketing team in regards to we may deal this player, so don't oh, use yeah, him. It rarely, rarely happened. And in a jersey unveil and fashion, I, I understand why the marketing department would want to use Kelly. So I would not say that that means that they won't deal him uh, because I, I could tell you we, we've did some things back in the day and had no real insight into is this guy <laughs> going to get dealt or not. So. Yeah, no, I don't think the marketing department has any idea whether two weeks or four weeks from now the Suns are going to trade Kelly Oubre. Absolutely, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Whatever happens, happens. I just they're don't just want trying to get as much uh, good yeah. Kelly content as they can before they trade him. Hey, I don't blame them. It, it it hits it hits hard and it's uh yeah. it's good on social. So, mm. but yeah, the only way, thing the social media uh, folks are good at. I mean, there's a lot they're good at, but I mean. I love what you said when you told us once, Espo, when a trade happens and the social media team does not do a huge welcome to the Valley post immediately, you know, the dude's getting released. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the one thing that they that they are very good at. Basketball ops, uh, regardless of who was running, it would yeah. tell you. Do not say anything about this guy that we just acquired because he will not be a part of this team. Yeah. So that is, we, that is one thing they can communicate very well. Or uh, on draft night, they will tell you don't promote this guy because there's a deal in the works or something like yeah. that. So, so that's yeah. another one. If on draft night they announced is that, the why you guys pick, took Markeith Morris out of all of your advertising that one year? Not you guys, but the Suns. <laughs> yes, that was part of it. You. you <laughs> Well, 
and everybody knew. Plus, it was Marquise Morris. So, so yeah. So, so I, I don't see. I think, I think you could, if if they decide to deal Kelly, uh, I think you could see Golden State as part of the equation. But I think it would be likely as a larger three-team deal because, to, yeah. to your point, uh, Zona, I don't see. I don't see them wanting that second pick when they could get his, uh, the same kind of value in the 10 range. This is, and, is and you're going to be paying more too. Yeah. And, someone similar. So it's just not it's, really worth it. It's such a weird well, here's draft. The thing. So. Here's the thing. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's people suggesting the sun should pick up the second pick for Ubre only to turn it around and trade it for something great. There's a reason you don't even want the second pick in this draft because the second pick isn't much better than the 10th. And this is an, an excellent segue into our big topic today, which is we brought Zona Sports on the show because you've done so much in-depth scouting uh, for us, uh, for Brightside and, and just for the Twitter world as well and and your fans on your, web, your website as well. Um, tons of in-depth scouting on this year's draft. First of all, let me ask you, Brandon, before we get into best fits for the Suns, mm-hmm. where would you rank this draft as far as talent, top to bottom, compared to the last, say, 10 years? Uh, probably one of the worst in terms of top-end talent. But once you get past those first you know, three, four picks, it really flattens out. And there's actually a lot of upside plays and elite role players, players that can make an impact. So... You know, there's no Zion, there's no Jaw, there's no Luca, uh, there's not a, even like a Trey Young or DeAndre in, in this draft. But there's a ton of players that could be, you know, high impact players and, and good role players. So it's definitely not a strong draft by any means. But um, overall, there's like once you hit a certain point, you could find good value. And there's players like where you're like, oh, I could see it with him. Like he might work out. But there's no, there's like no, like no guarantees or anything like that. So well, this is putting you on the spot. But let's yeah. say the tenth pick. Um, how does the 10th pick in this year's draft compare to the 10th pick in last year's draft? Roughly. Um, I, I don't think it's that far off, honestly. I, I think once, like I said, once you get past those first three picks, it's, it's pretty much a normal draft. Like it's not a strong draft by any means from that point, but I'd say, you know, you get past the first three picks from like, you know, four to 60, it's pretty normal. So is, that's, it, part of, I, that's part of why I don't want to trade up to number two, unless they're really high on like Lamella Ball or something. Am I crazy to think? And and the answer can be yes. Don't don't feel shy. You're just crazy that, to think that. Well, that's true. It's dangerous sometimes. Uh, when you look at uh, this draft, uh, to me, it feels very much like the 2013 draft, uh, the aforementioned Alex Len draft, where we heard, "Oh, Alex could go number one." And then Anthony Bennett goes number one and Alex Len falls to five and, and none of these guys uh, turned out to be particularly great, but there were some, uh, some true talent that falls later in uh, later in the draft. Does that feel like where we might be heading with the 2020 draft? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I, I think especially the teams picking in the twenties, they're good teams and they have better development systems. So I think you're going to find a lot of steals in this draft. Like it wouldn't shock me at all if, you know, the best, like three players, they all went from like 15 to like 30 or something like that. So it's pretty unpredictable, which, and I mean, I've been scouting this class for way too long. I'm information. <laughs> you're a little, you're a little tired of it, aren't you? Yeah. It's literally the longest draft process of all time. So 
It's been crazy. <laughs> so let's talk about your favorites. Uh, so uh, let's talk about your favorites for the Suns at number 10. Mm -hmm. Of course, it all depends on how the board falls. And it also depends on on who James Jones really wants to, uh, you know, to reach for. But if you were the GM of the Phoenix Suns, who would you target? Uh, Killian Hayes would be my top target for sure. He's second on my board. I think his fit next to Devin Booker is ideal. Uh, he's could end up as one of the most complete players in the class. He can defend, he can pass from all three levels <clears throat> and just his ability to score from all three levels as well. Just, he has a complete package, I think. And if the jumper continues to improve and athleticism continues to improve, he's going to be probably one of the best players in this draft. How, how much does the fact that he, he's a left-hander to, uh, interest you because i think that uh, sometimes that can actually make a guy's offense better than uh than if you were just right-handed with the same kind of offense because it takes some for some reason it still fools defenders when you get a guy that's uh, uh that relies on that left hand more than his right somehow do you do you think that plays into it as well and, and is he one of the top talents in this draft overall but you just think he might be in that 10 range for some reason yeah, so I think being lefty definitely helps. It gives you an advantage. It's just like a instincts type thing. As a defender, you're just so used to guarding righties that even if you scout for it and like game plan for it, it's just like when you're in the moment, you know, being a lefty, there's always going to be an advantage. So he kind of reminds me a little bit of Goran Dragic too, um, fellow lefty. Oh. How, he's so crafty and like he's not the most athletic, but he just, you know, he finds mm -hmm. ways to score and he's got the size as well. So um a little bit of Dragic in him, just like a bigger Conley. Those are like probably my comps for him. Um, well, and as Dave far and as I, the draft range, oh god, Dave and I are in now. You said Dragic, we're we're good. Oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> we're we're in over Not just because he's lefty, but just like the craft and like just body control reminds me a lot of Goron. And um, but yeah, as far as his draft range though, he's I have no idea. His the intel on him has gone anywhere from like. He could go fourth. He could go fourteenth. There's no. Uh, Heck, no I think uh, on his big board, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer, he has Killian Hayes number one, right? Or he did yeah. at least for a he, while. He does. How how much of this though is uh, uh, paralysis by analysis? Because there has been so much time to look at this. Uh, we did not have yeah. the benefit of of the tournament and, and different things. Uh, obviously, that's not uh, not a something that prohibits with with Killian Hayes, but in general with with college players, uh, what. What are we, is there just, it's been so long and that there's so much thought that there's just confusion as to how this is going to play out because GMs are starting to outsmart themselves by, by thinking about this for so long. Yeah, it's definitely unprecedented. Like there's no way to like, there's nothing to compare this class to like, as far as a process for it. So it's just really weird, honestly, it's information overload and, that could help you out sometimes. It can make you overthink as well. Um, I know my board's changed a lot since like March. Um, so I don't know. I can't tell you if it's going to help or like. So nobody's played any games since March. So to give us insight yeah. into what makes you change your board around. Just watching more, honestly, just doing like uh, some more rounds on these, on the players, maybe seeing games I hadn't seen before. Um, just trying to keep in mind, like, you know, they're the system they're going to go to and stuff like that. And just how they translate to the NBA. Um, so yeah, just watching more games, honestly, just getting more as much Intel as you can too. Um, so, yeah. 
Where uh, where does Killian fit on your on your big board overall? Uh, he's second on my board. Okay, so who okay. who do you have one? Is it Weissman is that? Uh, I have one? I have Lamelo one actually. Okay. I think he has the highest ceiling. Um, it really depends where he goes though too. If he ends up like in a bad situation, I could see that being a complete nightmare. But um, if he ends up in the right spot, like I, th I think he has a chance to be an all star. So what you're saying so what, is the New York Knicks is not where he should go. Probably not. <laughs> so what is his draft? Uh, what is his defensive profile? Because you can't put a bad defender next to Booker long-term 35 minutes a game. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a plus defender, especially his team defense is awesome. And he has a size, too, to where he can switch onto wings, which is something that a lot of these like guards in this class don't really have. Um, Lamelo has some size, but he's not as strong. Like I think Hayes is going to be able to guard one through three, switch on the perimeter, and um, the point of attack needs to improve. But other than that, I think he's going to be a really solid uh, defensive playmaker and someone that you can plug alongside Booker, and he, he'd end up being the point guard of the future. All right, so Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes is your top best fit for the Suns. Likely, though, to go within the top 10? Before yeah, the most, Suns most likely. Board? I would put it like, 60% chance he's gone. Um, is that somebody you would trade up for? I would, depending on the price. Um, just because I think everyone wants to trade back, so you might get yeah. a really cheap deal compared to most years. So if you're sold on Hayes like like I am, then I think it would make sense to just lock this guy in. He's your future point guard. Um, let him learn behind Rubio for a couple of years, and, and then he'll be ready to go. So say Killian's off the board and you don't make the move up. Who's the mm -hmm. the next guy on your list uh, and one that'll be likely to be there at ten? Because obviously, you know, there's talk that oh, Lamelo might fall, and that I'm sure in in your mind that would be the best. But I highly doubt he falls to ten. So who would be a realistic number two for you with the Suns? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any way Lamelo drops to ten. That'd be insane. But uh, I I would say Devin Vassell would be my next top target just because. I mean, if you like Mikel Bridges, this guy, um, I don't think he's quite the prospect Mikel is, but they're the same like archetype, just, you know, three and D wing, just crazy team defender. He plays like a free safety, just all over the place, just with crazy wingspan, um, defensive playmaker, just really disrupts the flow of the game. And he could, he's been a 40 plus percent shooter from three, both of his years at Florida state. So he's someone, if you want to surround Booker with just, you know, defenders with high IQ that can shoot. He just fits the mold, just surrounding him with like Mikel, Cam, Kelly, Vassell. Um, it really insulate Booker. Well, in James Jones's uh, little uh, six-man press conference kind of thing, the get-together the other day, he, he reiterated the same thing he's been saying since he took over as GM, which is, I want high IQ guys. I want mm -hmm. guys who have clear skill, um, a clear NBA-level talent in, in at least one thing. And then um, guys who are great teammates and they fit in the system and they can shoot. He wants that. He wants skill. He wants a clear skill. He wants guys who can shoot and he wants high IQ, great teammates. So uh, would you put Devin Vassell in that? Oh yeah, definitely. I think just, he really fits a lot of the same or ticks the same boxes Mikhail does. So, um, yeah. you know, not, there's rumors that James had a strong like link to the Mikel pick as well and did a lot of scouting with him so um i think he definitely checks all those boxes yeah um, i don't have inside information but i feel like mikhail was 
the guy that James wanted because there were rumors that Ryan McDee wanted other guys who were also very good. I mean, he was targeting Shea, Gilgis Alexander, and guys like that. Then all of a sudden, the Suns end up with Mikkel Bridges. I feel like that was not McDee's top pick. No, it yeah. definitely was not. It was. Uh, it's not a McDonough pick, like type of pick, I should say. Yeah, Shea, Shea Gilders Alexander was was his pick, and they thought they had had the deal done, and uh, it it was vetoed. So that is, uh, uh, but it obviously turned out great because Mikhail is is a guy that is a huge piece of the future, and I think uh, I think your assessment's right that that James Jones was a large part of. Uh, of looking and, and scouting uh, Mikhail. So it could uh, it could give clues as to where they're going to head. Another name that we've heard some talk about, and I believe the Suns have interviewed at least uh, once based on reports, is Devin Bain. As a Batman fan, I would oh, yeah. uh, love a guy mm-hmm. named Bain just to make a million bad jokes. But from a basketball perspective, uh, is he uh, the right kind of fit with this team? Yeah, I love Desmond Bain. He's I'm a lot higher on him than the consensus at this point. Uh, have him as like I think probably 16 or 17 on my board, and on like ESPN, he's still going like in the 30s or something yeah. like that on their board. So which is crazy. Uh, if he falls in the second round, just fire every GM from like 15 to 30. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, him well, and Grant Miller are they're just all going to be gone in two or three years anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no like Brandon Clark of this draft, but. Bain is sort of like that same, just older prospect, short wingspan, but you know he's going to be good. He's going to do what he does, 3 and D, high Q, defends. Um, so he's someone I would love. I, it would be a little bit of a reach at 10, like value-wise. So I, like if they traded back to like 14 with Boston, um, got 14 and 26 or something and took him there, I would, I would have no problem with it at all. We got to remember that last year, James Jones went into the draft with one pick and he came out with four players. Um, so James Jones likes to make trades during the draft in the one that he did. He likes to make, make trades during the draft. So, uh, we can anticipate that, that kind of thing happening again. I hope. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, this is, I think this is going to be the weirdest draft in terms of moves too, because, you're going to, there's potentially a free agent start, free agency starting a few days later. There's going to be so much chaos and trying to jam, uh, so much into such a short period of time that I wonder how much it will impact whether we'll see more moves in the draft, maybe or whether we'll see less, uh, depending on things. It seems like this is going to be a very active draft based on the number of teams yeah. that reportedly want to move back. But at some point, if everybody wants to move back and nobody really wants to move forward, uh, you know, uh, that's the it. Up, that's it. Yeah. yeah, this could yeah. be this could be a very weird. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of rumors about teams moving. Exactly what you just said, Espo. You're going to hear tons of rumors about team teams moving back, but fewer teams actually moving back than than thought because there's yeah. only only going to be one or two teams at the most who are going to want to move up. If if you're going to do anything, you're gonna you're going to trade out by giving up your pick entirely for something for a player you know, or whatever. What I think we could see is selling picks. Because there are going to be teams that that oh, took, geez. took oh, a no. hit. Took oh, a hit. don't even bring that up. I, the Suns are, we gonna, are, gonna are, the sun, are the Suns going to sell the their not, pick? The Suns will the, not you, sell their giving pick. Giving us inside information no, here. No, the Suns that's, that's why I wore this cash considerations green shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <But if> you, <laughs> I knew. If you look at the economics of the league, 
it would not be shocking if people sold off a pick for $3 million because teams lost a lot of money. They're not looking to spend in a lot of cases in this offseason, which is why, and I said this on previous episodes, I think the Suns have an unbelievable opportunity uh, this this offseason because they'll have cap space. Other teams aren't going to want to be as aggressive. Uh, they could they could come out as real winners here if they're willing yeah. to uh, to spend a little and, and spend smartly. You can't obviously you can't uh, you can't make mistakes in, in the way you spend. But if they can spend smartly, you could find value. And and I think there's going to be teams that potentially pick up uh, some decent picks for some money because other teams just are are operating under uh, under budgetary constraints. Yeah. And another point I want to hit on that you brought up earlier, Espo, with like just the turnover time from like free agency, uh, like right after the draft, basically, is there was a report that, you know, the free agents are starting to like reach out or their agents are reaching out to teams and getting these like soft agreements before uh, the free agency even happens. So it would be very interesting to see how that affects the draft. Like if they have if there's teams that are actually agreeing to deals before free agency starts. Yeah, um, I heard that. I think Keith Smith, we had him on a uh, yeah, a week yeah. or so ago, and he tweeted that there's a lot of second tier. I and I asked him directly. He's like, if there was any rumors with the Suns so far that he's heard, he would let me know. Mm-hmm. But then he wouldn't give me any information. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah. but it's also just the second tier guys. It's the minimum yeah. guys who said, you know, there is they're not negotiating for ten million. So guys like Christian Wood, even though there's rumors, not rumors, there's fan and in, in, interest drummed up because he followed Devin Booker on Instagram and he wished him a happy birthday. There is a little bit of fan interest in Christian Wood. I get it. But no teams are even under the table negotiating 10 to $15 million contracts a year right now. What they're doing is they're reaching out uh, behind the scenes through secondary because you can't tamper or anything like that. But behind the scenes, um, no, wait a minute. This is the offseason. I think you're allowed to talk to players who are free agents. There's a period that there. I don't believe they've entered into the period where they're allowed to talk to, to yeah. those, uh, those players. Okay, so yeah. even informal, there's a ton of minimum salary guys who've already picked their team. Mm-hmm. There is, and and there's a there's an agreement that this is going to happen because you're only going to have a week or so between the start of free agency and the start of training camp. Um, assuming the the owners get their way and start in, in late December, um, then you're going to have you're going to have a ton of the the. You know, there's okay. So there's over 200 players who are free agents as soon as, like, uh, um, as soon as 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 um, as Adam Silver waves the flag and says, "Let's go." So there's uh, as soon as the starting gun goes off, there's 200 plus players who need to play for a new team or re-sign with their existing team. We're focusing on the top 20, but there are 200 plus. So those are the guys who have already agreed to deals. Um, the Suns already have their little little deal guys. Um, we don't know what's happening with Javon, but Campaign already has a team option. Frank's got a team option. I don't think. I really don't think Frank's going anywhere. There's no reason for him to go anywhere unless the Suns get um, really close on a big deal for somebody. Like if Fred Van Vliet goes after free agency starts. Okay, Phoenix, give me every dollar you've got. I'll sign. It's possible the Suns then will release Frank to get that room and release their rights to Dario to get that room. But until then, the Suns have no need to until they actually have uh, a target who wants to be reeled in. Maybe that's Christian Wood. Maybe it's not. We'll find out. 
Well, Brandon, going back to the draft, when you're looking at this, who do you think is the guy that that has the most value that may kind of be a sleeper pick, that may not even be in that 10 range, maybe later, but could be a guy that, uh, you know, either uh, James Jones gets an additional pick to pick up or some other team is going to get immense value by it, by finding him. Yeah. So we already talked about Desmond Bain. He's one of them. I would say uh, Grant Riller is another one uh, point guard out of Charleston Southern. He's got probably the best first step in the class, just like super good finisher. Um, he can score from all three levels. He's someone he's older too. So I think he's ready to come in, contribute right away. Um, I could see him fall into a team like in the late twenties and just like killing it. And everyone's going to be like, how did this guy drop? And it's like, uh, I don't know. He's good. Like, there's so it happens like every year. There's always good yeah. prospects that just because they're older, teams just overthink it and they might not have as much upside, but he's someone I could see coming in like day one and just being a really good player. That's you, it's clearly though, that's a dude where you buy a second round pick, right? And then you take him. Yeah. Down. Oh, definitely. So, so if you're James Jones and you're sitting in in that war room. What what is a perfect draft night for you to walk away from? Uh, what is what do you walk away gaining uh, from uh, the draft on November eighteenth? Uh, I think the best case scenario would be Killian Hayes at ten, like I've said. Uh, but obviously, you can't control the board, so um, just I guess taking someone that you think can either be groomed behind Rubio, like a Kyra Lewis Jr., um, Killian Hayes, or if you want to add some wing insurance with Devin Vassell. Um, I'd also definitely look to buy a second round pick in this class just because I think there's going to be some really good value just in the the early like 30s to late 30s. So, you know, just getting aggressive, finding a cheap contract with like an older player like Killian Tilly is another name I would throw in there with Grant Riller that I think, you know, he has a lot of health concerns, but if he stays healthy, he's someone that I think will be a really good modern big and that fits like the James Jones type of mold of player. And Monty Williams would love to coach him too. So that's that's another guy. If you can come out with both Killians, I'd love that. You brought up Kyra Lewis Jr. What yeah. do you think of him as a prospect overall? And is it a realistic uh, potential at number 10 for this team? Yeah, so they've interviewed him twice now, I believe. Uh, Zoom interviews, and he's someone that his stock seems to be rising. I guess the Knicks have a lot of interest in him as well with the eighth pick. Um, so he's someone I would take at 10. I'd be fine if they took him at 10 if like Hayes was off the board. Um, I think he's someone you could throw behind Rubio for a couple of years, let him lead the second unit. Just super fast, has like De'Aaron Fox-like speed. He's not as athletic, but just the way he scores and he can pass, play off ball. Um, I think he'd be an awesome fit next to Booker offensively. Um, defensively, he's a little bit limited just because of the size. Like he can guard point guards pretty well, maybe like smaller twos, but outside of that, he's not going to be able to switch or anything. So, um, you would be capped there a little bit, but I think just offensively, he'd be an awesome fit. All right. Well, any, any final thoughts on the draft that you have anything that, that you want on tape so you can point back <laughs> in, in a few months and go, see, yeah. I told you so. Uh, not in this draft. Honestly, this is the least <laughs> confident I've ever been in any draft I've ever scouted. So I, I would say, I think Bain and Riller are going to be way better than they, their drafted value. Um, I don't know. I think Kyra Lewis is kind of undervalued too, but it also, it just depends where these guys go. It's going to be the weirdest draft because honestly, you have no idea where they're, where anyone's going to go. There's so many smoke screens right now and everyone's trying to trade back. 
Like the Warriors, like everyone in the draft, apparently they're just trying to build yeah. value. It's like a new prospect every day. Um, yeah. So honestly, this this will be the most unpredictable draft of all time for so many different reasons. Uh, not just the situation, but the players themselves. It's just it's a crapshoot. Like there's 20 players you could tell me this guy's gonna be the best player in this draft, and I'd be like, okay, I could see it, and I wouldn't be shocked. So it's it's crazy. Uh, Let's just hope they don't end up with the worst player in the draft. So we're you know we. <laughs> We got we got low standards here in Phoenix. All right, so to recap, just real quick for those who have joined us late, because now we're up to almost 100 concurrent people just on the YouTube side. Um, we are dressed for Halloween. Uh, you got Super Mario. Yep, you got to punch the box above you and see if a mushroom pops yep, out. Yep. That's right. We got <laughs> an old-timey fan in the stands at a Suns game. I know uh, you guys might not remember this, but there really, there really was a time that fans were allowed to go to sporting events. And then, uh, Brandon, we've got Zona Sports here is Cash Considerations wearing the green. Uh, uh, yep. Brandon, I got I to gotta ask you, do you want to stay stay around for the rest of the show, or or do you need to get it out of here? It gets stupid again, man. Uh, hang on. Sarver's calling me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I could, I could stick around. All right, because it is time for the best part of the show, Espo's big board and uh, Mario <laughs> makes an appearance. Dave had to explain that. And this week on Espo's big board, uh, well, those... somebody else thought you were, you were uh, cosplaying someone and there's no freaking way that's happening. So, <laughs> so uh, for those of you that are new to the show, uh, which some of you may be, this is a segment where I just rank random crap because it's, it's fun. And that, you know, no, no disrespect to our guests, but I don't know anything about the draft, so I can't give you a big board about players, but I'm going to give you a big board <laughs> about something I know. And since it is Halloween today, we are ranking the top five Halloween candies that you actually want to get in your Halloween uh, bucket. At number five, it's the classic Hershey's bar. You can't go wrong with a Hershey's bar. I mean, there is just absolutely no way uh, that that you can somebody can get this and go, well, I, I don't like that. If you don't like chocolate, you don't like Halloween. I mean, let's be honest. And there's nothing more pure than Hershey's chocolate bar. So at number five, you've got the Hershey's chocolate bar. Uh, it, it, it's a, it's a no brainer at number four. Oh, give me a little Reese's pieces, right? I mean, if you like chocolate, then you to put some peanut butter with it. It doesn't get any better than that. I, I think Reese's pieces uh, are a great thing to steal out of your child's Halloween bucket, and I likely will do that uh, uh, at, at some point in the future. I don't think my four-year-old's going out this year, but next year I'll certainly be stealing some. Who Reese's was the most pieces. famous celebrity um, <clears throat> that that did the Reese's Pieces commercials? Oh God, I'm supposed to remember that from uh, yeah. a decade ago. No, I. I well, that's true. The Reese's Pieces yeah. did make a, a an appearance in ET. Right. Uh, and in and my you know, world, ET is a celebrity. Yes, it it does remind me of Stephen Adams telling me that he had never had a Reese's when he came in for his draft interview with the Suns, and I was very disappointed that he wasn't. Well, that's the only the reason Suns. he wasn't drafted by the I, Suns. I was hoping they'd draft him so I could be the first one to introduce him uh, to, to the joy of Reese's. That's probably why he had a red flag. They passed on him <laughs> after that. <laughs> but yeah, nobody, no normal guy doesn't doesn't know what Reese's is. We moved to number three, and it's M&M's. You know, I, I, it's a classic. Uh, the mini size, fun size bag of M&M's is a Halloween classic, and it's another one that 
it's chocolate. I don't know how, I, I mean, if you have an aversion to chocolate, you don't like Halloween. It's that simple. And M&Ms, again, are a great uh, source of chocolate there. So I, I've got to go with that. This next one is probably going to be controversial. All right. Uh, I don't know who it would map to. And Zona, maybe you can tell me who it would map to in this draft, but Sour Patch Kids is number two on my list. Uh, you know, I, I know this is is controversial because this isn't a, a typical candy that everybody likes, but Sour Patch Kids for me uh, are an all time Halloween candy. I can't uh, believe you're up to number two. It's the James Wise, the worst list ever. <laughs> look, look, I've heard Golden State is willing to trade number two if you're really into Sour Patch Kids. You can get them. Only uh, Espo would trade up to two to get Sour Patch Kids. I, yeah, and I'd be a genius for doing it. But number one is the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I mean... That if if this isn't if this isn't the ultimate in candy uh, confection here, I don't know what is. Give me give me a Reese's peanut butter cup, and I am a happy man. That's why it is number one on my list. And now that we've bored, right. Snickers would like to have a word with you. You this is the oh, this is the Snick worst caramel? list no. ever. Caramel. All right, what's no your thanks. what's your favorite off the wall candy? Um, mine. I'm just gonna say. Look, man, whenever I see a whatchamacallit hanging around on a shelf somewhere, you know, ready for sale, I've got to buy it. Have you guys ever had a whatchamacallit? I have not. You've nope. not? <laughs> Dang. It's in the white wrapper. It's got the it's got the crispies, like the um, Nestle Crunch kind of does. It's got the it's got the crispies, it's got everything in it. Is it when you find a whatchamacallit, a payday, paydays are excellent if you like the peanut-based stuff. Uh, with the caramel and the chocolate and all that. You guys, Three Musketeers are being mentioned here. Uh, Skittles are being three mentioned in, in the... Yeah, Three Musketeers are pretty good, pretty darn good. 100 Grand's a really good good one. Um, no, hell no, Saul. I have never eaten a candy corn. Oh, no, I have eaten a candy oh. corn, and I will never eat another one. Those are the worst. Candy corns are the worst. Fun fact, they were once known as chicken feed. And if uh, if that's the kind of candy you're into, that uh, the best comp to I, I it, I imagine is that makes feed. chicken blow up. I don't understand candy corn it, as chicken feed. What the it hell? looked it looked like chicken feed that you actually feed. Oof. That was just the name of it. That the marketing ah. team called it chicken feed. You know, there is one, and I was going to include this on the list, but I thought, I, I thought, ah, I don't know if I can. But I, I think if you're going obscure and, and you're going to say it, this is the ultimate Halloween candy. And if somebody put it in my, uh, in my Halloween bucket this year, I would be a happy man. It is the Thunder Dan bar. Does it, do you guys remember <laughs> these? There's no. Probably, these were in the, early, in, the, in the 90, it was probably around that 92, 93 uh, range that they came out with these and they were a, a, just a specialty oh candy bar. I guarantee somebody watching the show has one of these buried deep in their freezer because they thought this is the coolest thing and I got to keep it. So 10% uh, chocolate, 90% thunder. 
Yeah, well, and I love I love that you can also see the photo on the far right. Uh, for those of you listening on uh, on the podcast, this is the worst segment ever. Uh, me showing <laughs> pictures of a, a Thunder Dan Marley bar, but on the far right, you get the classic Thunder Dan in short shorts and a jean jacket '90s photo uh, of Thunder Dan as well, <laughs> and that explains to you why a Thunder Dan bar was so popular because he was the Kelly Oubre of his generation. Yeah, when it came yeah, to photo was. shoots. He he uh, he was the yeah. fashion guy that would uh, do some uh, some weird shoots but the thunder dan bar is one that you have to tip your hat to uh brandon i know you were regretting saying you would stay for the uh for the remainder of the show after having the stuff but that is I mean, your board your board wasn't too bad i don't have too many disagreements i would i would throw sour patch kids off though that, that'd be my that list. terrible. What, what would you replace sour patch kids with what would you put on your list um, if we're gonna go something sweet i would go smarties Oh, Gotta I, keep it well, I like Smarties a lot better than Sour Patch. I think that's a. a I, I don't hate I Sour Patch kids, but I want. I just want to put them top five. Yeah, <laughs> Blueberry in the chat saying he's too young for this, dude. Everyone's too young for us. So you know, um, no, that's that's cool. What would you? What candy would you put in? If you're too young for this, then you probably still go <laughs> trick or treating. Hold on a second. How can you be too young for candy? That the demo for candy is like. I know. I want to. I got to know how but... young he is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or is or is the or this today's young generation all about veggies and fruit? Would you rather have an apple? I'd rather have kale, or carrots, kale. kale. Nah. Can I get some kale in my bag? Avocado toast. Oh, um, York York peppermint patties. Sundress Dunks says York peppermint patties. That is that those is a quality. are those are incredible, man. Right. I can just uh, you have you literally do feel like you're on the top of the mountain. That is more a Christmas yeah. stocking. Uh, yeah, favor for me because it, it reminds yeah. me of winter so much, but I, I, I like that. So, uh, did you guys hear the news that uh, it's this awful news that Peeps was going to not make their Halloween candy this year? Yeah, they they didn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's terrible. Actually, it's the best thing ever because Peeps are the grossest candy ever no. invented. Necco and wafer. then they started making it for all that. No, Nilla wafers are so much better. Oh no! no so the, much better. The Necco wafers. Oh, a pay, payday bar in the chat from Coach Fallen Founder. I'll give a I'll give a shout out to a payday bar. That's uh that's good. As I well. mentioned that like ten minutes ago. Well, yeah, I don't listen to you. Jesus. I got to give the flaming ballers uh, some love. Uh, Saul Bookman says the list was saved with peanut butter cups. You're damn right it was, Saul. Blaze, uh, where you? Where's Blaze from? Lollies. Are you from the? Are you from England? Uh, I think Blaze is England. I think Blaze is uh, in, uh, Australia. in Australia. Isn't he? So you know, uh, I'll yeah. have to Blaze. If you send me one, I'll eat one on the show. That's uh, Twix a is a really good one. Yep, Twix Kit Kats are really good. You know, there's so much better candy than the freaking list that he gave. Come on. Oh, yeah, well, Dave. Uh, if Peanut butter cups though are the best. I will give you credit for number one. Dave, yeah, if you want to put in number one, easy. Dave, if you want to put in some effort into the show and put together a list, we can. <laughs> Dude, I we don't can effort. Do, we can do a Dave's big board at some point if you would like. So I appreciate the graphics. I just didn't like the content. That's <laughs> well, we are running up against time, and actually, we're past time, but uh, we're we're well over an hour. But uh, any final thoughts as we head into the last uh, couple of weeks? before the draft uh, free agency uh, coming up likely in three weeks, uh, any last guesses uh, and, and Brandon, we'll start with you uh, because Dave and I'll 
have some more guesses, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. But uh, any thoughts on on how this offseason plays out for the Phoenix Suns and what it will take to get to uh, get to playoff contention? Yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive in one way or another, just because the bubble really gave them a taste of like what they can do. And I think they want to make the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Devin Booker, you can you got to keep them happy. So I I don't have any like certain player predictions or anything, but I think they're going to do they're going to make at least one aggressive move that might catch some people off guard. But I, I can't tell you what that's going to be. I think that is the most accurate depiction of an offseason somebody could give. I'm not fully sure, but they're going to try to get better. And I appreciate the <laughs> I appreciate the honesty there because uh, none of us. Know no, I think I think what what, so what, what I took away yeah. from what Brandon just said is that the Suns are going to swing for something interesting rather than just go the low ground. Like a lot of teams are going to are going to really just stay under the under the radar this offseason. There's just too yeah. little money in their back pockets, the owners, and there's too little time between seasons. A lot of teams are going to look very similar to what they did this past year. There's going to be a lot of guys re-signing with their own team because of the familiarity and the lack of time in the offseason to get reacclimated. You got to move. You got to move families if you're old enough to have one, all that. So I think to say the Suns are going to step out of that box a little bit and do something interesting, which is almost certainly going to be via trade. Um, uh, I I totally see what Brandon's saying there. Yeah. Well, I I did too. I was actually giving him a compliment because he didn't just throw out a bunch of names and and have no back. He got it. He gave a realistic answer. Yeah. So thank you for that. By the way, Sundra Stunks uh, in the chat says Dave's big board of doo-wop standards, and I have, <laughs> I think that's exactly what we get. Or his favorite classical musicians, which uh, Dave refers to as pop music. So. <laughs> Yeah, so that is that is another edition of the Sun Solar Panel in the books. Uh, thank you, Zona, for joining us. If you want to let everybody know how they can reach you, uh, share it right with them now. Yeah, just thanks for having me. Uh, follow me on Twitter at AZ Sports Zone. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on the show, and happy Halloween. Yeah, we'll have to get you back after the draft potentially to talk about the aftermath of yeah, either uh, of what either happens. be a happy episode or a very sad episode. We'll see how it goes. He is Dave. Well, King. it can't be any worse than the than the episode that uh, Tim and Espo recorded after last year's draft. So I still know. I didn't know who Cam Johnson was. I admit I, I the I'm entire not- episode of Who Is This Dude. Hey, we were not the only people going. This was a stretch uh, that that they selected him. All right. That's let's not act like that's crazy. And we were all studying who would be at the sixth pick. So Cam Johnson's name didn't exactly come up at the sixth pick. Let's, let's be honest there. You basically had a one hour uh, reaction like Kobe White. Enough, uh, what? Yeah, it, yeah, Dude, it, it's all of man. What? And we make fun of ourselves for it all the time because uh, you weren't the only ones. I'll say that it was. <laughs> there's a lot of people questioning that. Hey, it worked out great. So I'm yeah. glad to look like an idiot. I'd rather look like an idiot than be proven right in those kind of situations. Uh, yeah. He is yeah. Dave. King. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave King NBA. The NBA isn't because he works in the league. It's because. He has some self-doubt, so he needs to prop himself up. I am at Espo <laughs> on Twitter, and you can find the show at Sun Solar Panel uh, across the social platform. So until next week, have a good one, everybody.